Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is an excerpt from a work entitled Incomplete Commentary on Matthew. The work is titled such because there are noticeable gaps in the commentary and there is no conclusive evidence as to the work's author, who seems to be a deacon, a priest, or a bishop. However, the text, originally penned in Latin, was apparently known in the latter part of the fourth century and continued to influence Christian living up to the time of the Reformation. Scholars at that time cautioned against its use for traces of Arian thought, that is, the teaching that Jesus is a created being and therefore not God, as well as Pelagian thought, that is, a popular though heretical teaching known for its rigorism and the conviction that human will can effect salvation. In recent times, however, the incomplete commentary on Matthew has received the attention of scholars for its exegetical method that apparently has connections with Origen, and despite the legitimate concerns raised by its Arian and Pelagian notes, does capture Jesus' urgency for living as a disciple in his Father's kingdom. The podcast description contains a link to this Sunday's blog article noting the significance of Jesus' action of separating in the parable. In addition, over the next few weeks, a few podcasts will be posted that features conversations with some of my students at Holy Family University, reflecting on some of the topics that have made an impact on them this semester in their study of sacred scripture. And now, an excerpt from Homily 54 from an incomplete commentary on Matthew. Because he granted the grace to know him to all nations, he will rightly judge in each instance, so that neither the good will lose the fruit of their goodness without the doctrine of truth, nor the evil will escape the punishment. 
for their evil because of the excuse of ignorance. For just as at night the full shape of items does not appear, but even a gem seems like a rock, and a rock is thought to be a gem, so also before the coming of Christ the difference between human hearts is not apparent, but also the evil are endured as if they were good, and the good are despised as if they were evil. And whenever the illumination of the gospel has been preached and come to all nations, then the quality of their wills has been revealed, and the nations rendered without excuse. And so then, all people will be gathered justly to judgment, because whoever gives a commandment beforehand implicitly proclaims that there will be a future judgment. For then people have been mixed together, and not only mixed together in the sense that the righteous spend their lives in the same places as the ungodly, but also that they have become jumbled together, so that as far as people are concerned, there does not appear to be any distinction between the righteous and the godless. Just as there is not any distinction between living and dead trees in the winter, but when that blessed spring season comes and trees are distinguished, so now each and every person will be manifested according to his faith and his works, as the godless bring forth no foliage, showing that they have no fruit. But the holy people will be clad in the leaves of eternal life and will be laden with the fruits of glory. And in this way, they will be separated by the Lord, the heavenly shepherd. And indeed, a physical shepherd separates according to the natures of the bodies. But Christ separates people according to the types of souls. Sheep are righteous people because of their gentleness, since they themselves harm nobody. They are sheep because of their patience, because they bear it whenever they are injured by others. And just as when sheep are confined, that they either keep silence or ba in integrity, so also when the saints are hurt, they either keep quiet or, certainly when they are tested in kindness, they send prayers to God. And just as a sheep is led to death and yet does not cry aloud, and its life is taken away, and its gentleness is not changed, so also the saints are cursed, and yet do not curse in reply. They are struck, and they do not strike back. They are robbed of their goods, and they do not oppose the robber. They feel pain, and yet do not emit a cry. And why would they need cries when he who harms them will not pity them, even if they cry out? But he who is merciful 
is merciful, hears and sees, even if you do not cry out. But he calls sinners goats because these vices naturally are present in goats. A lust that is greater than in other animals, arrogance and strife. For they always fall on those who strike them, and they butt horns now and then if another goat has bumped their shoulder. Again, they are envious of one another, as Solomon says about the envious. Like a goat, he looks for the ruin of his neighbor. Moreover, they are boasting and self-glorifying, as the same Solomon indicates, saying, Three things are stately in their tread, the lion, the strutting cock, the he-goat. Moreover, goats are very much drawn by the desire of their belly. Because of their belly, they walk through rocks and precipices and hang themselves over the precipices. They are also very chatty in their cries over every matter. Sinners abound in all these vices, and so they are like goats. Furthermore, I ask, why did he not introduce them as having similar ages, saying, and he will separate them like sheep from the goats, or like lambs from the kids? But see how he wishes to show that the saints are perfect in all respects and must be placed on his right side, while the godless are fruitless in every way, and must be placed on the left side? So he called the saints sheep, but he called the wicked kids. In this way, lambs are not altogether fruitful because of their age, even if they are tame by nature, for they do not yet have the fruit of milk and wool. But kids are evil from nature, and they are altogether without fruit because of their age. Whenever someone is introduced to the sight of a king or judge, he understands from that place where he is ordered to stand if he has been led there for a good reason or a bad reason. For if it is a good reason, he immediately called near. But if for a bad reason, he is ordered to stay away. So also God will put the righteous on his right and sinners on his left, so that each person may recognize the state of his merits from the nature of that place and may receive the punishment of shame before the sentence of judgment. Quite rightly, he gathers the righteous at his right, because they never knew anything gauche. Quite rightly, he put the wicked on his left, because they never wanted to know what was right. For the Lord knows the ways that are on his right, but perverse are the ways that are on his left. You see, if you stand in public with your friend and someone greets him and ignores you 
or separates him from you by talking or joking familiarly with him, do you not stand alone, abandoned, and at a loss, and think that rejection is graver than death? And how do you think that the ungodly will be put to shame when the righteous are separated from them, and they are abandoned in view of the angels? Even if they suffer nothing further, would not that shame be enough of a punishment for them? But the apostle says that the saints have already been gathered at the right hand of the power by the ascension and session of our Lord the Savior. For just as he welcomed all flesh in his flesh and crucified all flesh in himself when he was crucified and raised all flesh in himself when he rose, so when he ascended and sat at the right hand of God, he gathered all at his right. How then does he say here that they will stand the sheep at his right and the kids at his left? But see that now he has gathered us to his right side in order to do those things that pertains to the right side. But afterwards, he will stand them on his right side in order that they may reign with him. And why does the king not first address those who are on his left? Because God is more ready to show kindness than to do harm. For he offers good things to the good in accordance with his will, because he is good. For if Christ delighted in the punishment of sinners, he would have never handed himself over for sinners. All holy men and women, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the King of the universe, grant, we pray, that the whole creation, set free from slavery, may render your majesty service and ceaselessly proclaim your praise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.